Social media has changed a lot over the years. I remember being a young lad in my 20s. I just got my first platinum blonde faux hawk haircut and a great tan from a tanning bed. It was the early 2000s. And experiencing the magic of my first social network. I was already into my career and out on my own. And I discovered this awesome tool to keep up to speed with friends from college and high school. This tool was MySpace, and Jeff wasn't on it. In retrospect, it was a huge pile of turd Ferguson. Look at what the kids have now. Instagram for the pics. The smorgasbord of Twitter. All the good, bad, and ugly of that platform. And, And I couldn't tell you what Snapchat is. I had it for about a week, and I was truly confused by what it did. This is a clear sign of obviously old age. I just downloaded downloaded TikTok though, and uh, uh, it seems like a good tool. And we're gonna get Jeff on there doing some some content real soon. Things have changed from simple profile pages to keep connected with your friends, and now if you want to have a presence online, you can. And to be honest, if you want to grow your business, you need to be on social media with a strong social media strategy. I personally have always been a fan of social media platforms. I have no care that the government is tracking me, Jeff. If they want to know that I love the Oilers, questionable jokes, and of course, the topic du jour on those Canadian lads podcast, UFOs, they can. Tonight, we are so excited to have Katie Hobbins, partner and co-founder of Caden Ave Communications on the pod tonight. Caden, Caden Ave or Caden Ave, Katie? It's Caden Ave. It's our fault. Okay. We, we thought we were being so slick by like making it look like Caden Ave, but that's just what everybody calls it now. So. I've screwed that up so many Oh, ev- everybody does. It's fine. We just, poor Avery just has no, no name recognition anymore in the, in the name of our business. It's just, she's an avenue now. Right on. Okay. So, <laughs> Ave or Ave? Sorry, I screwed it it's up. Ave. It's Ave. It's Ave. Caden <laughs> Ave is a boutique communications firm located in beautiful Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, helping organizations getting their messages out. We wanted to talk a bit about where marketing has gone and where it's going, how the pandemic has affected things, and get a professional's opinion on the topic we have discussed on topics we've discussed on this pod in the past. Uh, one specifically, the Edmonton Evergreens. Booyah. Katie's company has a diversified client portfolio and is creating some truly amazing content for companies in Alberta. You need to take notice and see all the great things happening in this industry. With that being said, it's a historic episode for the lads tonight. It's episode 20 of those Canadian Lads podcast. Welcome, Katie. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot for coming on and uh, correcting Brad because actually I thought it was Av as well, so <laughs> I would have butchered that. <laughs> yeah, it's because my name's Katie and then my business partner is Avery, so it's Cade Nave, like the two of us. But we were like, it's funny because it looks like Avenue when you write it out, and then that's just what everybody calls it. So it's our fault. Hey, hey natural, you natural know, progression. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You got to make it work. Whatever you do, you got to make it work, right? And, and go with it. So uh, first of all. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, 
we've seen all the stuff you're doing on social media. We're working with you a little bit uh, on the side as well. But uh, Jeff and I were talking and, and we wanted to get you on the pod tonight to kind of get a perspective, not only, you know, how things are going, especially during the pandemic, uh, but also get a little bit of education to ourselves, too, um, on the whole social media thing. Um, we are, I'm well, I'm in my 40s. Uh, Jeff is in his late 30s. Um, you're a grad of Grant McEwen, right? Grant McEwen University? Yes, but I have a criminology degree, so... Oh, Don't. nice. <laughs> I can't lay claim to a co- communications degree from there. Just just if you need social media for criminals. Well, I get no, I guess that leads to a question though. Of, like you you've stepped into this mark into this business without necessarily a formal education about it. Um I'm assuming it's all based on gut feel then. <laughs> yeah, so I was partway through my criminology degree, which is really a sociology degree. So it is somewhat relevant you're like studying human behavior to a degree and human behavior in like on mass which is what social media is um but i was just studying when it goes wrong and people commit crimes <laughs> which does happen on social media too i guess um but yeah i decided that law school which was my target after that was not for me but at the time the only communications program in alberta was in calgary and i just there was no way for me to go to calgary so I was like, whatever, I'll finish this degree. I will apply to jobs for three months. And if no one hires me, I'll go get an after degree. And uh, I applied to work at Stars Air Ambulance amongst about 50 other places. And I was telling my friend and she was like, oh, where did you apply today? And I said, Stars. And she was like, oh, well, they're not going to call you. Like, they're definitely going to hire somebody who has a comms degree. And I was like, yeah, probably, but whatever. And then they called me and then they hired me. And then... About a year into my work with them, I was sitting in the Saskatoon airport with my boss after coming back from a business trip. And like, they really liked me. I felt like I was doing a great job. And I made a joke about my criminology degree. And my uh, boss was like, wait, but you have a communications degree too. And I was like, no. And then he was like, did you put on your resume that you did? And I was like, no. (laughs) He was like, wait, so we hired you without a communications degree. And I was like, Yes. And he was like, I literally don't know how that happened because we had like 150 people apply to your job and anyone who didn't have the relevant degree, we just put in the no pile because we had so many to go through. So he's like, you literally got hired by accident. That's always comforting, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I I made it through a couple interviews. So like, obviously they liked me at that point, but I ended up in the yes pile by accident, I guess. They hired me on purpose. (laughs) Hey, things work out sometimes. And quite frankly, too, is like, Sometimes it's just a piece of paper. It, yeah. it goes to prove that like, if you have the skills, you can do it. So, Yeah, people and ask me all the time. They're like, do you have a, de- like a degree in this? And I'm like, well, when I started university, Twitter didn't even exist. So like, I don't know how I could even have a degree in this. Like, I'd have to go back to school every year or every oh, yeah. three months. Well, that being said, that's, that's why I kind of brought up the educational piece because Jeff and I, we, we both took business programs at Nate, but in the early 2000s. And uh, social media was not a part of that program about, especially in the marketing. I remember Jeff doing a, f- a fine presentation, a PowerPoint presentation back in the day. Uh, I forget the topic, but I think I was laughing in the background. So uh, I think that's <laughs> when, I, when I insulted a few other students in the auditorium, probably. But, you did insult but a few people. Yeah. But, but, that, but that does kind of go, go to prove how things have changed. Um, we're all talking about when we were in college or university and this what we're marketing on and what we're looking at for information didn't even exist. Mm-hmm. 
So there's been a there's been a big change when it comes to that type of stuff. Totally. Like even when I first worked at Stars, that was 2013 and I was 23 and they were like, I think we should probably get an Instagram page. We don't know. We have Facebook. Maybe like we should do this. And they were like, you're 23. So you probably know what you're doing. So here you go. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is a fun work project, I guess. So like even just how many years ago, eight years ago, like businesses that now like social media is like their bread and butter like stars does so much storytelling and fundraising on instagram like eight years ago they were like i don't know should we do this it's, it's wild to think how much it's changed I, I i guess like it leads to the natural question is is the traditional marketing in newspapers or even television is is that going to the way of the dodo is it going to be online and social media only going forward I don't think so as much as I am kind of like a, a nature of like, yeah. <laughs> some traditional marketing I feel is just salespeople trying to meet a quota like billboards. I'm not sure that anyone ever gets good value out of a billboard, <laughs> but I do think that there is still merit in like a traditional media release and then like getting an interview from somebody on the news like that still does seem to track with like social media follows and likes and traffic to a website so I don't think it's dead I still think don't ever buy a billboard I can make <laughs> that money go way farther for you with social media advertising but I do think that traditional marketing is still relevant okay so going on into business for yourself and obviously, you know, trying to grow your own, you know, um, communications firm with your partner. Um, you know, how has that kind of gone in the realm of like, it's confusing for me because I've started, started to, as, as kind of my social media experience is gone. Why are you laughing at me, Jeff? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm an old man now. I got gray hair. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on, but, yeah. um, it is confusing for me because there's this such this huge effort by companies. Obviously, they're they're pushing their their services. You can buy anything now through social media platforms, which is really cool because it's so easy and it's so accessible. But from your business standpoint, like what made you want to go off on your own and start your own, I guess, firm? Because you guys have some really kind of cool um, content within your own organization, you know, um, and you really focus in on obviously the creativity side, but also I really caught my eye was kind of making things beautiful and, you know, aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I have always been like a creative person, which is kind of why I didn't want to sell my soul and go be a lawyer. I needed something that was like always a challenge, but still I could use like my creative brain. And so that's kind of what drew me to communications. And then as I was working as an employee, after I worked for stars, I worked for an auto group doing a lot of digital advertising for them, which is just convincing people to buy cars. Um, I had a, a lot of friends. It was just kind of like the timing of the moment, like other people with their businesses were like, Hey, you, you do like Facebook at work or something. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, can you just like help me set up my business page? Or like, is this even a business page? I don't know what I'm doing. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like buy me a coffee and we'll figure it out. I can set it up for you. And like, so at first I didn't even really realize it was like a revenue stream that I could monetize. And then I met Avery, my business partner. And she was telling me, she was like, oh, I, I 
my neighborhood that I live in was looking for somebody to run the social media. And then now they've like hired me on because I did such a good job of it. And like, I don't know what to charge them. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like, this is kind of what I'm doing. I'm charging people like a coffee, but maybe we should start charging people money for this. And so then basically we both just started separately like just seeing what people would pay us. Like, I don't know. I don't think I ever did like a proper cost analysis. I was just like, (laughs) here's what I think is fair. Please don't say no. (laughs) And then like my fourth client that I ever got on my own, I pitched them like so high compared to all my other clients just because like they were a big organization. And I was like, I'm just going to shoot for the moon on this one. And they didn't get back to me for like three months. And I was like, oh man, I I screwed that up. Like there's no way they're going to call me back. And I had given them like three tier options and each of the three tiers, I was like, these are all way like so much money looking back on it. Now it probably was a a fair amount, but at the time I was like, this is crazy. Nobody will ever say yes to this. And then they called me one day when I was driving and they're like, Hey, sorry, it took so long for us to get back to you, but we want to go with the highest amount. And actually, can you tack on like a little bit more work? And like, what will that cost? And I was like, what? And so then I called Avery and I was like, I think I can quit my job. And so, yeah, then I quit my job. I had like basically no savings. I also had no car because I was working for a dealership. So you get like a dealer demo, but when you quit, you got to get the car back. So I tried, my parents had this like 2002 Durango that they were like, it hasn't been driven in like a year. You can try and drive it. (laughs) It had a ringette stick. Like my dad had taken apart the like indoor panel because the window wasn't rolling down, but then he like abandoned mission halfway through. So it was like a ringing <laughs> stick. Literally. <laughs> I don't know. It was like, it was my mom's old car and they had like, she already got a new one, but you had to like use a ringette stick that had um, zip ties on it to open the door. And it would sometimes just randomly turn off. So I got it from their house near Beaumont, drove it to the gas station. It wouldn't start at the gas station. And so this kind man came over to help me. And I'm like trying to get out of my car with my ringette stick interior door. And he's like, what is wrong with this person? The hell's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. And then I got stuck trying to back it out of my very flat driveway because my fiance and I realized that there only was like, it was only sending power to one wheel. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I think I have to go buy a car. So I went and bought myself a Lexus. I think I lied and told them that I already made like $80,000 a year when I really (laughs) made none because I just quit my job. (laughs) So I got a Lexus. And I still haven't repoed it, so we're good. Nice. That's that's awesome. That's <laughs> just a like great motivated story. me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have to pay for this car, so I better freaking hustle. It's it's too well. Actually, that's a very interesting. There's three thoughts that came from that. One, it's 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 funny. Like no matter if you're breaking into a new industry, no matter what it is, whether it be social media marketing or the first guy who sold a car was like. Well, what are people going to pay for this? Am I asking for way too much or is it way too little? You you have to kind of test those waters too. But but you brought up an interesting point at the end. It's just like, yeah, I'm now committed to this and I got to hustle. It's time, yeah. to, it's time to work. So no, that, that's awesome. That's a great, uh, that's a great origin story. <laughs> like it could have gone totally wor- like different and bad and I could have... I could be working at Starbucks with a repo oh. on my credit for that Lexus, but <laughs> I, didn't. I, I, I just love that you shot your shot. You throw out mm. through it a price and you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm in sales and, and Jeff has been in the commercial game as well. And you know, you, you went with it, you made a decision, you went with it. And at the end of the day, you might've left money on the table. Probably. And yeah. I think we like still do sometimes, but like at this point we, we have a pretty diverse amount of clients and we've found that it's better to, 
charge less and work with people we like than charge more and have a nightmare every single day. <laughs> well, we thank you for working with us because we are very <laughs> inept in regards to social media. Oh, no. Jeff likes the likes the tweets every once in a while when he logs in and he definitely is not on <laughs> Facebook because again, he thinks Big Brother's watching. So I, I'm not, I, I apologize. I'm not a supportive member of this uh, social media team when it comes to oh, promoting the okay. podcast, but uh, ma- mainly just because I'm, lazy i suppose but but no everything <laughs> everything looks way better than anything i would have put out so great job <laughs> listen podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> i'm with you about the big brother thing though i'm like you can learn everything about me i'll give you my social insurance number i'll sell you my soul if you just like oh. send me ads that i like i like just sell me on things that i want to buy i don't want to see ads that aren't relevant to me i'll tell you everything about me well, I, I think, and I, I've brought it up a few times on the podcast, but we've talked about the Social Dilemma documentary and how it is targeted in that sense. But effectively, your that's your business to a certain extent, is how do we get you targeted on this? Yeah, so what I do for you guys is mostly just organic social media, which is like the nice side of social media, where we're just like putting out nice looking content and hoping that it's wholesome and people like it and they click favorite or they retweet you or whatever but then when you get into the paid side of social is when that's when you get ads or you're like talking about going on a trip to Mexico and suddenly your whole feed is like cheap vacations to Mexico and you're like well my phone's listening to me so that's when it gets a bit more dicey and then it's creepy is what it is Katie let's just pick that (laughs) it's a bit creepy and then like you're like is this ethical that these people have all of this information on me and like, what are they doing with it? Well, especially when you look at, you know, political, you know, um, your, your political views and you know how it goes. Like, it's funny. We have a, uh, a guest on every once in a while. His name's Bo. Uh, he's very, um, affiliated, not like an alt-right guy. He's an awesome dude, but he definitely has more conservative views and he, uh, he gets pinged by like a lot of different social media stuff. And he actually quit social media because he's like, it, it just became a sewer in, in what he was totally. Telling. Yeah. Like a lot of people were surprised after what happened in 2016 in the U S with the election. They were like, how did this happen? And me as a social media marketer, I was like, Oh, it's so easy. You just had to like make a bunch of pages, promote them to the people that you want to see, like on the back end of Facebook, when you're running an ad before they put in a lot of rules about the elections, there used to be no regulations if you're running a political ad you just set it up like the same way you would any other ad and you would just say like i want to target democrats i want to target republicans you can send stuff to democrats that's going to rile them up you can send stuff to republicans that'll rile them up you create a page and invite the democrats to the republican page and make them mad you tell them all that hillary eats children whatever <laughs> like like we talked about that on the pod one yeah. <laughs> in a pizza parlor, right? Yeah. In the basement of yeah. cosmic pizza. Yeah. 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 So it's, I'm like, people were like, how did this happen? And I'm like, anyone who understands Facebook business manager on the back end to like, even the smallest degree could do this. This wasn't even sophisticated. This was just like a good amount of ad dollars. It is, it is wild because I think for the average person not involved, including somebody like myself, where I'm like, I assume it's being played with and targeted, but 
I don't know that for certain, but yeah, you just laid it out. And he said like, no, oh, this is quite easy, actually. Don't worry. We could do it at a moment's notice if we had to. <laughs> We're totally. going to step our game up, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They've made it harder since then. Like now, if you're running political campaigns, they drastically reduce the amount of targeting that you can do, but you still can target people based on their age group and like other activities that conservative boomers tend to do or like if they're snowbirds or they traveled recently like you can kind of read between the lines and figure out what would be like a typical 60 year old conservative man what would he do on facebook so how can you send that message to him still even around their like new rules yeah. <laughs> you're gross <laughs> i'm not I, probably I, I, true. Yeah, yeah probably true <laughs> But the, I, I guess it does, that leads to like an interesting thing. So it's like, obviously you, you have the ability to target anybody and everybody across any spectrum, ideology, anything you want. And it's just like, is there, is there, you kind of explained properly targeting these people, but is it just like a free for all? Like, Hey, we're just targeting whoever we have to, to kind of get our message across. Is that just kind of the lay of the land? Yeah. So like some people will just, if, it depends on how much ad budget you have. Like if you have... $50, you can reach a couple people. If you have $50 million, Facebook will let you spend that much too. And then you can reach a lot of people a lot of different ways. So there's a, like different ways to kind of like structure an ad campaign. Some people just like spray the message as wide as they can and hope for the best. Or you can like A-B test your messages. So you can like put out two ads that are almost the same and then basically use like the scientific method to change like one thing of this ad. And then you have like your control group and your experimental group and you test them. Like there are really, really talented ad buyers doing really cool stuff for brands like Nike or like, I don't know, those pans that I always get advertised, the one pan or whatever. <laughs> like there are people who are very good at targeting people. And I that's the part that I appreciate. I'm like, okay, this is a very talented ad buyer who knows exactly what I like, exactly what I've already bought and what websites I've been to and like what my likelihood is to be able to even like afford what they're advertising me. So I do appreciate that part of it, but I game. do recognize that like the political side of it is dangerous. Game respects game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we waiting for a question from me, Jeff? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just trying to, you know, see where this like this is going because I do have some questions around like, you know, you talked about getting in the game uh, on the marketing side, and you know, if you had a dream client, you know, what kind of what would that be, and how do you think you could affect their their brand? Oh, that's a tough question. A dream client. I don't know that I have a specific industry, but I like anything that's like visual. So if they have like a visual product that is like that they care about it being like beautiful looking, like, I don't know, something artistic or like even a clothing brand or something would be super cool. And then just being able to like have creative control to make their Instagram feed look however I think it should look. <laughs> like I like when people give me more control than less. Um, but some people are really creative as well and have like really good insights. It's the people who aren't creative that are micromanagers that are the ones that were like, okay, we don't need to work with you. <laughs> yeah, that that can get frustrating, can it? Because, you know, at the end of the day, you've been hired on to uh, provide a service with your, with your background and your skills. And um, I'm sure, yeah, getting that kind of mic micromanaging involvement um, can be frustrating at some times. Yeah, like we don't mind if people are like, hey, that just doesn't really like speak to us. We don't really like that graphic or whatever. Like that's easy to change. But it's the people who 
don't really have any like concrete feedback, but always want to like be involved to like the extent where you're like, why, why are we having a meeting about a meeting or a meeting about your content calendar <laughs> that you're like, you don't really have any input, but you just want to like talk about it some more. <laughs> I don't know. Some people are, they're bad at like relinquishing control of their own social media. Well, we're kind of turned ourselves into a culture of meeting just to meet, right? Especially yeah. in business, right? So we we love, you know, to to keep ourselves busy with virtual get-togethers. All right. Well, very, very, very sorry for that, listener. But uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. But good news is during the break, Katie and I discovered an interesting topic. So, uh, Katie, why don't you fill fill the listener in a little bit of what we were talking about? Uh, influencers owning their pro uh, their platform or not? Yeah. So we were just kind of talking about like the rise of influencers on social media platforms, mostly Instagram, but as of late TikTok as well. Um, so basically, people have some people have gotten rich like overnight, basically, from just being really funny or really relatable or super fashionable, whatever their niche is that they've carved out, they've managed to build themselves a career and usually one that is quite lucrative. But the thing that worries me the most about influencer marketing is you're using a platform that you don't own to build your community. So say you have a million followers on Instagram, if you get hacked or if Instagram deletes your account for some reason, or if Instagram itself goes away, like how have you diversified yourself in order to like still have a revenue stream? So I know a lot of influencers do. Some of them start like clothing lines or one I know like started a hair care line. So there are ways to kind of like take that following you've built and like catalyze it. But yeah, it's just interesting that people have like million dollar careers built on platforms that they have basically no control over if it stays or goes. See, and that's why I get scared about this type of stuff. It's just like anything I put out there, technically it's whatever message I want to put, but it could be gone the next minute without me saying anything. Or used against you. <laughs> no, nobody's going to use anything against me. I'm fine. So. <laughs> That's just on Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of that, like, so one of the things I did want to touch on with you, Katie, is like some of the topics that we talk about on the podcast and, and some we're pretty passionate about. Uh, one for me is uh, the National Women's Hockey League. Um, I've got a little girl. Um, she plays hockey. Um, I want to see her have opportunities that... Uh, men have essentially like she sits and watches Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. And she says to me, well, one day I want to win the Stanley cup. And one of the things that I guess has frustrated me as a, not only a father, but a fan of hockey is that the national women's hockey league hasn't done a good job of getting their brand out there for a prime example. Um, you know, they utilize Twitch as uh, their broadcasting stream for hockey games during their their last uh, bubble um, hockey session during COVID here. So obviously it's not a the most uh, great opportunity to go and promote a brand during a pandemic, but it was frustrating for me because as I'm getting a young girl into the sport of hockey, um, just the the amount of the, the, the failure in, in the marketing for me, um, you know, from what I see is, is frustrating. And, you know, as someone who's a professional in this field, and maybe it's a topic that you haven't even thought about, or maybe it has, but um, maybe what are some of your thoughts in regards to, you know, the promotion of, of women's sports as a whole, I guess? 
Yeah, I. this is a topic that is kind of near and dear to my heart as well. I used to be a hockey writer, actually, for Hockey's Future, which is a now dead hockey oh, wow. blog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the Oilers writer for Hockey's Future and back in another lifetime. It was while I worked for Star, so after I had a degree. But um, yeah, I've always been quite involved in hockey culture, and I have a lot of thoughts and feelings on kind of like both the toxic masculinity that runs rampant in hockey culture and how much, well, frankly, like online, how much abuse women hockey players seem to get and have to put up with. And just even like the men who are like, we would never watch you. You're not as good at sports. You're not fast. You're not interesting. You can't hit. You're not like, why would we want to watch you? And it's just like frustrating to see that conversation, like continue over and over again. And like, for some reason, it doesn't seem like the needle is able to move, whether that's like a failure of marketing or like just a failure of like getting like securing the right amount of funding, because I really do think that there is a market of people who would watch women's sports. Um, I personally, I do show jumping, which is another really random topic that we could talk about for a long time. But um, in the sport of show jumping, women and men compete against each other. And like, there is no like, oh, there's a man riding his horse now. So this is way more interesting to us versus like this woman, like men and women in show jumping have equal chance of like making an Olympic team or winning a gold medal and they compete against each other. So I fail to see the argument that just like by virtue of being women were less interesting to watch, whether it's playing basketball or hockey or tennis or whatever it is. Well, you couldn't sit. I'm going to say someone like you couldn't sit and tell me um, watching the, um, the women's uh, Olympic hockey tournament is not exciting and it's not a great brand of hockey and it's not passionate and it's not well played because you'd be effing wrong. You'd be wrong. You'd say that. Yeah. yeah. Cause it is unbelievable. And the, um, display that was put on almost like in the expedition exhibition that um, the NHL brought in some of the high-end women's hockey players to the all-star game last year in St. Louis. And that exp- exhibition actually stole the show in St. Louis. And for me, it's just trying to catch that momentum to make sure that it can get that growth. And at the end of the day, I, I think it comes down and I, I kind of noted on is the, the funding and the money being spent and having the right, people behind it and the right ownership like putting your sport on twitch is just ridiculous to me like isn't that what your gaming headsets for i think so i've never been on twitch but that's what i that's what i hear yeah the but yeah it's just it's frustrating the infre the infrequency of of the events is obviously an issue as well it's just like you like you said like the the women's olympic team is a fantastic watch but unfortunately it's just one of those things that's every four years so it's infrequent i i think one of the things that you talked about earlier though too was that uh there is a a negative response from men probably over a social media platform about women participating in a sport and decrying that the game isn't what they want to see and everything like that. But these are the, probably the same yahoos who, if you said you wrote for hockey's future, you you're involved with the game. You probably could write speak circles around these yahoos in regards to how the game is played and how it's going. But these, some of these guys are just, that's how they are. They're idiots. Oh yeah. Like, most of the feedback I got was actually quite positive when I was a hockey writer and I was surprised by that, but there were still lots of people who like would just tell me I was an idiot or somebody like 
I remember one guy went on like this huge tirade and then he was talking to me about fourth line defensemen. And I was like, what are you, what, what are you even talking I don't talking think there's a fourth line for defensemen. <laughs> sure but he is. was like, he was certain that I was the idiot and he had to tell me what was what. And I was like, okay. But yeah, there are definitely always those types, but unfortunately their voices are like loud. And then there's just kind of like the middle ground of people who are like, I don't know, I could take or leave it. Like, I don't really have an opinion on women's hockey. So then the loud voices kind of drown out the mostly women who are trying to kind of like amplify it. And then nice people like you guys. <laughs> well, maybe Brad, but you know, I, I, I do, I do. Unfortunately, I, I, I'll probably even slide myself into that middle category of what you're talking about. Like I, I would love to see, I would love to see the women's game uh, survive and thrive. I, I think the NHL has got to step in and help out with that a little bit, but but yeah, to Brad's point about I want my daughter to be able to see um, a, a women's championship team lift a trophy and a participate and a goal to thrive for. You know, if we don't nurture it, it doesn't get there. But we we have to do the proper backing. And you guys have both touched on that. So I'm just rambling. So <laughs> I think, too, like from a more marketing standpoint, maybe it's that they don't try to make it like the watered down version of the men's game, if I could call it that because like women don't hit or whatever and like like that's not exciting to watch because nobody's slamming somebody into the boards or punching each other in the head until like jujar kara looks like he died died (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. my children were both watching that and i like you saw my face go blank and I know, they're like, Dad, like, what, what happened? I'm like, oh, he just went to sleep for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He, he's, he's back now. <laughs> he was gone for a moment. <laughs> but like, we, like, it just seems so focused on like, so women don't hit, women don't fight. So like, it's not as exciting. So like, what then does make it exciting? Like we need to flip. It's competition. To like a positive. Yeah. The competition makes it exciting. And I think Jeff, you thought I was crazy with this, but I, I will use this one example. If if the women's game went away from the cheese grater full cage mask and to a half visor, it would be more like for like and look more professional in, in the realm of the viewer's point of view. And obviously it's there for safety, but for a viewer, I think that makes a big difference for seeing something you're familiar with versus, you know, you see the cages mostly in, you know, kids kids hockey because junior hockey players are now all half visors as well right so totally yeah i think that would make a big difference just the perspective of it like or like the perception that people have when they watch it like it just looks lesser than because the stream is crappier the stands aren't as full like you said they're wearing a full cage it's not that the game they're playing is worse it just it's like the the average viewer who just flips the channel and sees that and they're like eh, women's hockey and then they leave so yeah, like, and how do we some, stop that? And there's been some great highlights come out of um, the NWHL over the last couple of weeks. And even actually the um, the Frozen PW. Four, uh, just uh, final, they, Wisconsin, I forget who they played, uh, probably Minnesota or something like that, because that's you know, basically the big schools in the States. But <laughs> yeah. um, uh, there that game went to overtime. Their championship game went to overtime. And it was an awesome, you know, awesome display right so um yeah it's for me it's disappointing and like it think little things it's the little details to show the viewer that drive i guess liking of the game like one of the teams in the bubble had a jersey covering like on their bench over the over the over the glass and the camera was panning back and forth and it was actually blocking part of the ice, this Jersey they put on the back of the glass. And I'm like, if I was in the marketing or the production of, of 
the event, I'd be like, just like rip, you know, you, what are right, you doing? Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like they get second rate broadcasters, second rate play by play people, second rate camera work. Like it's obviously going to look like a worse product. Like, cause you're not comparing it against like, say the NFL who has those crazy, like 8k cameras or whatever they have, where you're like this close to Patrick Mahomes' face. And you're like, wow. And then you turn into women's hockey and it's like one guy on like a pivoting camera. Oh yeah. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. So no, it's something I wanted to bring up because it's a, it's a, it's a passion for, I guess me watching, you know, my kids go through hockey and especially wanting my daughter to have something to aspire to if hockey was something she wanted to be a part of in the future, be it a career or in the industry and sports or, or whatever. Right. So, um, but that being said, I do have another topic that I, I wanted to discuss with you and Edmonton, we're a big sports podcast like we love sports things like that the edmonton football team obviously changed their name um rightly or wrongly whoever thinks whatever it's gone so whatever it's done what are your thoughts on the names and the process they've gone through over the last couple uh months to come up with the candidates of what they have in regards to new names for this team and and how they relate to the city as a marketing professional I'm not sure that I like any of them. <laughs> there are some that are like a definite no. Like, please don't pick like Eclipse or Elements. Like, they're like another touchdown for the Elements for high school football. Like, what? <laughs> I didn't know we had Brian Hall here. <laughs> I think I think Brad, you like the Elements, didn't you? You know what? I, I chose the Elements because it was the worst. Oh yeah, I, you I, did. Yeah, you, were, you yeah. didn't say that yet. I was just trolling the Eskimos. I'm like, okay, you gave him, you gave me shit, so I'm giving you shit back. Here you go. It's uh, I'm picking the elements, but my true pick was the elite. I wanted something that responded to, I guess, the success the team has had in the past, and it's kind of cocky. It's kind of confident. You know, you were the elite, the Edmonton elite. So, and then yeah. So back to Katie though. She she was commenting on it. Jeff. Yeah, uh, my picks. I think I didn't mind evergolds if we're going to kind of go down that route because they're talking about how like they've won so much so like they're evergold and i guess it's kind of like red blacks like what the hell's a red black i guess we can <laughs> be evergold if they can be red blacks i don't really like that name either but then i feel like elk is kind of like the the front runner like a lot of people that i know that are like like low tide and people who have been in the sporting world for a really long time were like really gung-ho about elk and i was like why because we have them like it just doesn't sound like a very like they're not even a predator no that's the thing like they're just like <laughs> i'm an elk i'm wandering through the forest like, well, I, don't know. I i guess it, it's un, it's unavoidable that they screwed this up then they, this is going to be a bad unveil how is there can you say can you save it katie how would you save it can i save it yeah hopefully low tide doesn't get mad at me for throwing him under the bus for living <laughs> the milk, but. he doesn't listen to this yeah don't, <laughs> don't, don't worry, worry about he's that he's never gonna listen to this low tide she said some shit about you on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> tweet <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll listen maybe that'll be my that'll be in my content calendar for next week there you go <laughs> um to fix it oh god i don't even know how do you fix <laughs> how do you fix garbage <laughs> yeah and like is the cfl even going to like be functional this year that's the other problem yeah um i would I guess at this point they're so far down the road, like they've chosen those names. Like 
if they go back what to would the you want, board. though? For the you're name? An you're an Edmonton, like, person. Like, you... Edmontonian? <laughs> an Edmontonian. <laughs> an Edmonton, a person You're Edmonton. from Edmonton, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, if I could pick anything as the name. Trappers. The Trappers. The Trappers, the trappers. yes. <laughs> Bring back the Trappers I'd be, from the I'd 90s. I'd be pushing for the Trappers, so... Yeah, I, I would like, I don't know if I have a name in mind, but like you have to think about like what it's going to sound like in a chant or like when they get a touchdown or like what's going to be on the Jersey, like thinking about it from like a marketing standpoint, like I would want something that sounds like the previous word, like same amount of syllables and like also could be shortened. So like, I, I, I do like Elks for that reason. Cause it's like Edmonton Elks kind of sounds like Esks. So like it's similarly short. I think that's the exact reason I gave. Energy, though. Yeah. Energy hub of Canada, buddy. Cares. I feel like that's like the cop out choice. Like that's yeah. like, one. like everything is energy. Like yeah. it, it could be anything. It was the Oilers. It's got to be more energy based crap. <laughs> <laughs> cracker cats. That the one. Cracker cats. Yeah. Yeah. Oh right. Fuck's sake. What's that one team in? I think it's in. Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I think they're a a minor oh, league minor baseball league baseball team. team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just awesome. <laughs> it's alliter favorite. alliteration. Everyone loves alliteration, just like they did with the <laughs> double E thing. You can't get away from it. So, <laughs> so there there was one, and, and you you were on social media, and sorry, it just had popped up uh, a couple weeks ago, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but. Edmonton bike lanes. What is going on with Edmonton bike lanes? Because it, 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 it obviously seemed to push you a little bit. People were so mad at me about that tweet. I'm like, the reason why I get so fired up about like the bike lane people is that I kind of am a bike lane person. I used to live in ice district. I own this like stupid fancy. Um, it's called like a, a fixed gear bike, which is like for, oh, yeah dumb hipster people who like don't think they need gears on their bike and like it's actually really dangerous because if you like stop pedaling the pedals still keep going but so like i own the bike i lived downtown i did that lifestyle i like biking i still ride a bike but now because i've moved to summerside which is in the south i feel like i'm written off as this weird suv gas guzzling suburban dumb lack of a, like opinion or nuance to any sort of city policy type person. And it makes me really mad. Cause I'm like, a you're being elitist by thinking that only people who live near the core understand anything or have any sort of like valuable opinion about our city. And B it's like, there, there's a reason why a lot of people live in the suburbs and it's not because they like to run people over with their Chevy Tahoe's. So. I like it. Very, very well said. Yeah. <laughs> very well said. That's that's, 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 people live in more suburbia, you know, type, you know, places. Jeff lived downtown at one time. I, I miss downtown. Like I love yeah. living downtown. So, but when I live, when I lived downtown, there was no ice district. It was, it was Teddy's pub, buddy. It was, it was Teddy's pub and a bunch <laughs> of garbage. It was terrible, but no, I, I miss downtown. There's, there, there's an energy in the city on occasion, especially now that the re, everything's been revamped. But, uh, but yeah, no, downtown can be very good. Alcohol also can be very scary. So. Totally. And like, I feel like the people who are like pro bike, pro 
bike lane all the time, no room for like any other discussion, miss the nuance of like racialized people are a bit afraid to take transit because you might actually get punched in the face or like a racial slur said to you. Or maybe there's the mom who has two kids. She's a single mom and she has to get one to school and one to daycare. Do you think she's going to hop on her bike then to get to her shift at her job where if she's not there at eight o'clock on the dot, she's going to be reprimanded or fired? Like that person cannot ride a bike in minus 40 when mm-hmm. they live in Allard and they don't live in Allard because they're rich and spoiled. They live in Allard because they moved to Canada five years ago. They have no Canadian credit history. They found one rental that's big enough for their family in a place where the square footage is affordable. And that's why they live in Allard and they drive a car. Like we well, kind of hit it on the head. It's that it is Edmonton. And I, I think we, man, you should be on the podcast all the time, Katie, because we, <laughs> we talked about that exactly thing is Edmonton, Alberta, it's minus 40. It's still cold out, you know, in March, you know, we're praying that it's going to warm up. So the backyard rink thaws out right now, but that's another topic. Um, but that being said, it, it, Edmonton is not built. The roads crumble just every year. It's not built for, you know, this type of culture, essentially, right. Of a, of a biking, you know, whatever you want to call a culture. Well, I, I think the, it also hit the nail on the head. It's not applicable to everybody's life. If you're getting kids to and from, and you're in and out of the core and all that type of stuff, it's, and as somebody who took ETS for about, I don't know, 12 years, it's a pain in the ass and it is a difficult air. It's difficult to get around the city. Like I remember going from the West end to even my high school, it was an hour and a half bus ride. It's absurd. So don't throw money into a bike lane, throw it into the enhancement of the transit system since there's enough people that have to use it. Totally. I think we need to tackle our transit issues before we start. Like I, I like having bike lanes. I think bike people deserve to be safe on the roads, but I think transit is our more applicable. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. We are anti-bike. Like, like yourself, I, when I lived downtown, I did used to bike everywhere I went, but like, I just hop on the street and yeah, you, you get a few J days that are riding your tail on it, but that's, that's part of having a bike, I guess. (laughs) It's the risk. Yeah, like It is the risk you run a little bit. Like you don't need to get run over. Like people can be courteous, I think, but more people are going to benefit from an enhanced transit system than enhanced bike lanes, in my opinion. 100%. Do you think Edmonton is, obviously the pandemic has opened up so many different questions and, you know, you obviously have a pretty diverse clientele. Uh, What I've seen is restaurants, you know, non-for-profits, you know, all sorts of, you know, cool businesses, Um, you know, with the vibrant and like, you know, Jeff, you know, we kind of talked about this before the podcast about Edmonton being kind of a, a a young, vibrant, up and coming city with, you know, new business owners and new entrepreneurs. And um, do you think this is going to hurt us in the long run? Are we going to become a, a chain rest train restaurant city again, Katie, where we can only go to Bonanza and the Sizzler? Bonanza. I am a bit worried about that specifically in the restaurant industry. Like I think it is really tough because your options are like either hire delivery drivers yourself or sign up for skip the dishes and lose money to their fees. Whereas somebody like Earl's or Joey can afford to pay those and just kind of write them off or whatever they do. Whereas it actually hurts like the operating revenue, like the amount of money in the cash register of a small mom and pop restaurant. So I am worried about that. I hope it doesn't happen. 
I am guilty of using skip the dishes, but I try to only use it when I like need Dairy Queen at 10 o'clock at night. Cause I don't think Dairy <laughs> Queen's going under, but you can get ice cream delivered to your home. Oh yeah. <laughs> what the hell kind of world do we live in? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, the city, I don't know. I, I get into it with a friend about this quite a bit where uh, he is not a fan of the city. And I'm, I, I quite am. I've seen, I've seen the evolution that's taken place in the city and it is a better place than it ever has been in regards to living. Uh, but there is a threat to how good this place really could be. It's uh, you look at some of the great restaurants downtown, all the local and stuff. And th- those are the places I love to go to, but it's just, it, it, there's always a risk of those failing and those are difficult businesses to run at the best of times. And, and quite frankly, like Katie's in this group to a certain extent as well. You, you broke out on your own, you're starting a business, you're injecting life and, you know, life into the city and that has to be supported. So. Totally. And I hate to bring this back to the bike lanes again, but <laughs> I, oh, geez, I, those bike lanes. I really feel like if we're operating in a realm of reality and what's facing us right in front of us right now. It's not that we need to become Amsterdam in 10 years. It's that we need to support the businesses that are downtown right now. So why not encourage people to go drive and get their food? Like I will drive downtown to get Barbrico or Uccellino or something. And I live in the suburbs. So I will drive there to pick that up because I don't want them to pay for skip the dishes or they don't offer it, but I want to support those restaurants. So if parking is made more accessible to me or cheap short-term parking is available, I am more likely to go downtown and patronize our struggling and much deserving restaurants. Brad, when we edit this episode, can you put that part where I was lecturing you on that about 10 episodes ago, uh, right after what Katie said, and then you can call yourself <laughs> the devil once more? So. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? That never happened. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, when you said Uccellino, though, I my mouth oh. started to water. So. Oh, same. Oh, the, the bistecca, is that what it's, Jeff? That steak with that yeah, horseradish shaved on there? Oh, oh. it was incredible. Beautiful. We actually, we went, we went there a couple of weeks ago and I, or maybe three weeks ago, but it, yeah, it was, it, it, oh, it was so good to finally get back in there. Oh, I know. I need to go back. I did like Corso 32 at home, but I am not a past chef. I don't think it was not as good as going was, and having them do it. In regards to being, having to go out and pick up the food though, during COVID, it, they did a pretty good product for what it was. Totally. Yeah. And it was like really easy to do like. I was very impressed with a lot of restaurants who made it like quite easy to get like packages to take home. Like it was actually kind of a fun novelty for a while to be like, Oh, I can like make this restaurant dish at home. Yeah. In my sweatpants. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Katie, I want to thank you first of all, for coming on the podcast tonight. Um, Like I said, we really appreciate the support uh, that you're, what your business is doing for us as a, as a, up and coming uh podcast uh we always joke that we have one listen one listener so we think (laughs) we're gonna have a few more after working with you um i guess for if there is a listener we know there's one in virginia because we keep getting hits in virginia but we think it's actually the cia especially when we start talking about uh political stuff so um we might be in trouble on that but where can people find you and get in touch if if there are uh, potential clients looking for help out there in the market? Uh, so our website is cadenave.com, K-A-D-E-N-A-V-E. Um, you can just send me a message on Twitter or Instagram. You can just like tell me that you hate bike lanes and everything that I have to say on Twitter. 
just tweet at me. <laughs> Basically, you can find me anywhere on the internet. Yeah, the tw- the Twitter's. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's a cesspool. I was almost very close to deleting my account. Uh, I actually, I, 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 I help operate the uh, the the lads feed on on Twitter. Um, and Jeff uh, is always wondering, well, what are you doing? What are you what are, what are you tweeting out there? And I actually got in a little bit of a conversation about somebody bullying somebody on Twitter, and it made me feel good because I stood up for someone. So yeah. I'm back. I on. know. I'm like. I- some people I feel like get drained by internet fights and I feel like I get fired up by internet fights, which is not a great thing, but I'm like, Oh yeah, this person, I can just take them down with like a couple of well-written tweets. Well, I, I deleted that person off my personal account, but we follow them on, uh, <laughs> on the lads because we need followers and we need content. Out there, so. <laughs> but again, thank you very much. And, you know, dear listener, uh, they do amazing work at, uh, Caden Ave, uh, communications. So, um, got it right this time. So thanks again for joining, uh, Katie, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That was wonderful. What a great uh, conversation that was, Jeff. What uh, what were your thoughts on uh, our marketing professional helping the podcast? You know, it's always nice to have somebody intelligent on the podcast. You know, take the reins from you and I, and kind of uh, you know give a little bit of a uh, little bit of information instead of whack crackpot theories. So, no, uh, Katie, Katie was phenomenal. Um, obviously, she's coming in with uh, a base of knowledge and a career that you know, things I, I know next to nothing about. So it's interesting to get some perspective on that. Uh, the stuff she touched on in regards to, you know, targeting of advertising, uh, how they go about that business. Like I, it, yeah, it was, it was a great conversation stuff that like I kind of thought was there, but no, just definitely some good information from Katie. And also the diversification in the different platforms you, you know, especially if you're a content content creator, uh, whatever that is, uh, I think we are content creators right now. So that must be us, uh, but diversification <laughs> in, you know, getting onto different platforms. So, you know, one day, you know, the government pulls the old, uh, the old TikTok off the, the page because it's run by, you know, whatever, you know, it's gone and well, you're, you're lost, you're lost looking for a, a new stream to go get revenue from. Well, I think one of the interesting things too is that like Katie touched on her, you know, experience after school and what she was kind of doing and how finding her way in life. And, you know, it's just like, like she put it bluntly, this didn't exist when she was coming out of school. There was, this wasn't a job effectively. And now it's like, are people going to have uh, jobs that don't, you don't, def- uh, you know, uh, rely on yourself, that you don't get creative, that you don't go sell uh, sell yourself and sell other people on a platform like this is this is cutting edge in regards to how careers are going to look in the next hundred years and i know we were joking like that i was confused by it but that's why <laughs> because this wasn't in when we were going to to nate this wasn't an option it wasn't even invented yet it was you know it it is truly amazing the the organic growth of social media through the internet and then also the amount of this the the change in careers and the opportunity that's been created out of it you know just by having this you know these platforms to sell your business right and um from what i see they're doing a fantastic job yeah no as i said like the the content they've put out for us i uh, obviously when we when we brought them aboard um you know i had to go check out their stuff uh, the creativity behind their designs and everything, like even just as simple as the logo, it's clean. I like it, you know, and I do appreciate when people get that opportunity to be creative in their careers. So that that's an outlet that I think a lot of us 
just kind of ignore because we're so cookie cutter at work or our careers or even in our home life. It, when you get that creative outlet, uh, I th- I think that's that's good for the soul. It's good. Well, and you know, like we said on this podcast, this is a creative outlet for us. So it is good mm-hmm. for the soul. You know, we talk about that, you know, being able to to put out this podcast for whoever's listening, it we enjoy it. You know, we enjoy having the conversation and we're learning lots about a lot of different new topics. And and one was tonight, especially around the the social media marketing game, right? So and getting to know somebody new, right? To you know, stepping out of our our network of people and uh bringing in some new guests. And and I thought that was uh that was a fun interview, Jeffrey. It it was very nice. Uh, no, it's uh it's definitely it's a perspective that, you know, it, if you had told me 20 21 episodes ago before we recorded the first that we would be learning some of this stuff. I would have said, nah, there's no way it's just going to be us droning on. So no, this is, it's pretty wild. All things considered. So, well, that being said, let's drone on for a few more minutes because there are a lot of different cool topics going on. Uh, I know there's one you wanted to talk about specifically around the National Hockey League and our favorite uh, friends in the game, the referees who love to, uh, give me heart palpitations uh, all the time. So uh, what were your thoughts on, on Mr. Tim Peel getting, getting essentially fired a month before he was going to be retired? Well, is there a ref that deserves it more? Uh, the guy's got a bad reputation, but one of, one of the things that just drives me wild is first off, uh, this is similar to my political thoughts in regards to MLA's traveling for Christmas. You know, I don't have a, I understand you're going to call penalties against teams you don't like or call penalties for teams to get a, a team you do like on the power play. I under, there's a human element to, the, to these guys, no matter what. The fact that you're so stupid that you would willing to vo- vocalize it with a mic nearby you. What is wrong with you? You, you get, you deserve to get fired alone for that. Now, the other thing immediately I was drawn to when I saw that, st- when I saw this story effectively last night and into today is immediately I was drawn to the memories of Tim Donahue, and I'm sure I butchered his name, but he's the NBA ref who was effectively mobbed up and was uh, calling games and betting on those games. This guy effectively probably pushed the Lakers into the NBA Finals over the Sacramento Kings by, you know, a ref can affect a game. And one, for the sanctity of the game, it's a crime. Two, as somebody who gambles, fuck you. I need to be on the inside track if you're going to do bullshit like that. I, (laughs) you know what though, it it really it throws into question the legitimacy of the sport when you have referees, which is now clearly this is not a one-off. That's not a you know a a Tuesday night game between the uh, uh, Nashville Predators and Detroit Red Wings. It doesn't matter. Garen fucking Teed. These guys have you know they talk in the room they talk about players they don't like they're human beings right you know they, they, you hear it all the time in all the sports radio wow the young players they got to you know gain the respect of you know the league and you know you get calls as you get older with it a prime example is Connor mcdavid getting mugged every other night you know as the star and we go back to marketing as the star product as the one of the top products in the National Hockey League, not getting the right amount of calls. I don't care if he's getting all the calls. He's or the majority of the calls. He's not getting all of the calls because that guy is hooked and grabbed and obstructed left, right, and center every single night. 
And I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan, and I'm a huge homer, and I know that, but you can't tell me as an outside fan, uh, be it listening from Calgary or Winnipeg or any other place that you, you're listening the, to the podcast from, that that is not the case. Because it's been the case for years. They used to mug and grab Mario Lemieux. It happened to Gretzky. One thing Gretzky did was bitch, whine, and complain, and it worked for him. Yeah, you get that reputation, though, that comes with that. And it's a choice. I'm sure lots of players have reasons to voice their concerns to referees. And they're just like, you know, it's not even worth it. So it's too bad for that. But, you know, it it is one of those things that, you know, sport is sport is near and dear to our to my heart. And I know it's near and dear to your heart. Uh, Sport, no matter what it is, effectively is is pure. It's. You are, if you are the best athlete, if you're the best player in your game, if you play the best you can that night, everything works out for you. There's no, nobody chooses um, a player based upon any other attribute other than the fact that they are the best player in that game. And that's who you want on your team. Um, Whoever, whatever the scoreboard shows at the end of the game, that's the sanctity of sport. And when you have outdo influence by referees or Anyone else, I find the matter uh, of somebody throwing the game, which I know is a big controversy. Like, well, it can be a big controversy if you're thinking about when the Sabres were trying to dive for for uh, for McDavid, and uh, it didn't work out in their favor, anyways. But it's like for the rest of us who are going to sport for a pure experience, um, it, it's disappointing. And a guy like Tim Peel or Tim Donahue, uh, I'm sure there's tons of other. Uh, to other uh, tons of other oper- um, examples, but it's very disappointing. It it ru- it ruins the game for you. Yeah, it 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 taints it. It's a stain on the game. Um, you know, look at it. You might look at it as a one off situation, but it's not a one off. There's situation. no way. You know, it's um, you know these guys are human beings. Um, you know, they're they're in control of something, and sometimes I think they they take their control to a new level. Right, so. Um. Yeah, as a former Edmonton Minor Hockey League referee, <laughs> I would know that firsthand. So you did the same thing. You were like, oh, oh these guys have a penalty. <laughs> Sorry, novice kids. Your team's <laughs> losing tonight. <laughs> so switching gears slightly, uh, you sent me an interesting uh, topic du jour article. Did you want to touch on that before we let go? Yeah. So, you know, I know on previous episodes we've talked about, you know, the topic du jour on those Canadian last podcasts. We got to jettison this and just say, we're going to talk UFOs. <laughs> UFO, man. Yeah, UFOs. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you're new to the podcast and you're listening in, UFOs became a topic, uh, for us, uh, even prior to the, the podcast happening, because there was nothing else to talk about during COVID time. So, uh, all this news news is cracking, but the topic has not, been silenced the topic has not gone away jeff it's continually uh coming out every other week with new stories new little tidbits being released uh the article i sent you uh today is from an event that happened uh in 2019 where uh naval exercises are being held off the shore of los angeles and uh, uaps were spotted essentially stalking these naval ships uh and 
that being said, that only on the weekend, uh, I believe his name's is it David Ratcliffe or Daniel Ratcliffe. Um, he's the former deputy whatever of uh, intelligence in the United States. He was on Fox news, Fox oh, news, yeah. the reputable Fox news. Um, <laughs> and uh, the reporter, the journalist asked him about, you know, what was going on. And he essentially said, yes, there are uh, phenomenon that we do not know what they are. They do not think it is uh, any other country. And uh, he's hoping that the congressional report that's coming out in June uh, provides some further clarity. But he essentially said things like, yes, they were recorded uh, breaking the sound barrier without a sonic boom and, you know, moving in uh, ways that physics do not um, currently work for human beings. So um, who knows what it is, but it's definitely something of interest and, uh, uh, I'm excited, even if it means the end. Oh, it doesn't have to mean the end. Just the end for some of us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like th- that's two separate conver- two separate articles. Effectively, I, I, I think uh, if you could do me a favor, I'd like you to post the the first one that you and I were discussing. But the the second one too. I, it, I, I not throwing shade on it. I do think that the acknowledgement that um, they don't know what things are that doesn't mean it's alien. So no, we'll have exactly. To, we'll have to wait and see what comes out of that. But it, it, we're. I think we're going to get a few more of these government officials coming out and effectively acknowledging that they don't know what these things are. But I, I will. The the original article you sent out, and as I said, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna implore you to uh, throw it on our uh, on our feed there by Christopher Mellon, or sorry, the tweet by Christopher Mellon. But the the one good thing about this article was that it just took a factual based understanding and timeline of what transpired above these warships it is just a breakdown of here is witnesses here is the army or sorry the military officials on these ships saying hey uh we we're seeing these we're seeing these drones hover above us we don't know what they are let's get the spotting team out uh here's the kind of the reports that go with it um it even it, it one of the better parts of the article too is just it eliminates what they the army had written down in regards to what they believed it was flying over the ship. And then the guy did the research in regards to, Hey, the flight time on these drones is only 28 minutes. Uh, it's not capable of these maneuvers. It's a proper breakdown of an interesting event that took place without necessarily going over the top and saying, we have definitive proof that this is alien and it's not easy to poo poo on, which is as somebody who can be skeptical, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, no, it definitely was one of the ones that jumped out at me. And Christopher Mellon was part of uh, Tom DeLong's group, the Academy to the Stars. Obviously, he's left with Louis Elizondo, who were kind of the founding members. Lou Elizondo was the guy who was a part of ATIP, which was the government program, um, basically, you know, digging into these types of events going on uh, from a military and a DOD point of view. But um, and Christopher Mellon was a you know bureaucrat in the um I think the Clinton administration, I believe, or the Bush administration, one of those administrations, who cares? You know, all I know is he's, <laughs> he's the guy who, uh, who released the videos of the, uh, the, the, the Navy TikTok, 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 the TikTok video. So that being said, it's, it's starting to pick up more steam. And I think the more and more this happens, um, it's just a prime example. They're prepping us for some bigger news. And I'm again, not saying it's aliens, but I'm going to throw this at you. Have you thought about if it's not aliens and if it's not us, what the hell is it? 
Well, you're at. <laughs> Let's act, ask a psychopath a question. Um, I, I, I will go back to a theory that was floated on Skinwalker Ranch on the TV show by the physicist that was on it. And once again, I would implore everyone to go watch that show. And the second season appears to be on its way. So it's something worth watching. Um, there is a possibility that we are looking at uh, time travelers that have been able to travel through wormhole. I've only had tea tonight. It shouldn't be something this bad, but wormhole travelers effectively. Um, I know, I know on the crazy scheme of things, I have read references to this in regards to Bigfoot and their ability to not be found. I'm not necessarily a Bigfoot believer, but I do believe that there is a possibility that we have figured this stuff out in the future. Because let's face it, we're we're a new, we're still a new society. We're still a new, we haven't been around that long. Technology's advanced amazingly in the last like 50 years, and it continues to do so on a day to day basis. Who's to say what will not be what will we be capable of in a thousand years? And maybe it's something as stupid as people are coming back to go like, look at what these maniacs did in 2021. Like it's, it's nuts. So that's a crazy crackpot theory, but I'm, I'm of the belief that it could be a lot of different things and a lot of things we haven't even considered. Voyeurs. They're voyeurs. They're voyeurs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They got tired of internet videos and they've traveled back in time to create their own. Hmm, very so what, are, what are your thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> I you honestly, just, you just let me expose myself. You're going to go with, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's probably nothing. It's probably not even real. No, <laughs> you know what? There's all kinds of crazy shit out there. There's the, the inner earth theory that we've, we've learned about over the last number of uh, years. There's that there's a, uh, cause these pl- things go in the water as well. They go under underwater. No yeah. better place to hide than on the earth is than in the uh, Pacific ocean, which is the largest ocean in, in the world, our world, uh, maybe not their world, but, uh, uh, it's crazy, man. It's, it, it's so interesting to think that this has become mainstream news. Well, you know, it, it's funny. Like I'm not necessarily going to say it was mainstream, but I was watching a thing where a guy on TikTok, and once again, he's like, "I got my news from a guy on TikTok." <laughs> he was he was explaining how his belief that uh, Mars is the color and state it is because of a nuclear fallout that happened that society had destroyed itself on Mars, and that's what it is. And the guy, like, he's like, well, yeah, look at look what a nuclear winter would do to the earth. And that's why it's red and blah, blah, blah. And that's why the water has been evaporated, dude. And I just love, like, <laughs> they had, like, a normal human being just go, it's iron. The the iron is on the surface of Mars because the gravitational pull didn't pull it closer to the center of what it did, like, in Earth. And I was like, yeah, there you go. Reasonable theory. Gone. <laughs> yeah. Gone. You, yeah. You're done, loser. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And stop going on TikTok and telling people your theories. I, I I stumbled upon it. I didn't go on TikTok. I it was embedded in an article I was watching. Because so, I don't I don't go find those things myself. I Google stuff. <laughs> yeah, my goal is though to convert my wife into a believer. She's going to be a believer by the end of this. I I don't have much faith in my wife coming around on this. I I even even after our own little experience earlier uh, late last year in regards to seeing something and thinking it was pretty weird how it banked in the sky. I still think she would think uh, she's she's still not on board. So, oh man, if 
You got to watch the phenomenon. Phenomenana. I have watched it. We get, no, we them. Got, we just got them. Get them to watch it, but they got to watch it. But we'll see if we, we'll see if we can pull that together. That would be an interesting podcast. But we'll. I think it would be a fantastic podcast because one, it could end really quickly. It could be our shortest podcast of all time. Uh, <laughs> did you like the pot? Did you like the documentary? No. no. All right. Sounds good. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're done talking about this. We're off. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are loons. Well, I think like what we could do is we could uh, entice them with um, prosecco. And things oh, like yeah. that. You're like, Would like, you like bubbly wine and watch a documentary? Yeah, that's how. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to work that in the next weekend or so. So, uh, so that being said, Brad, any closing thoughts before we say goodnight? No, thoroughly enjoyed the podcast tonight, episode number twenty. Like you said, it's unbelievable that we've recorded twenty of these things. Um, I can't wait to do another twenty. Yeah. Well. That's a natural progression of things. Hopefully uh, we don't get too tired of this, but uh, I want to once again, thank Katie for coming on and sparing her uh, Wednesday evening with us. Uh, very kind of her to do so, but, and uh, great, lot of great, lot of topics we talked about tonight and uh, be excited to have her back. Absolutely. What a fun episode on episode 20 of those Canadian lads. Thanks again for listening and have a fantastic evening. Thanks again for listening to those Canadian lads podcast. Give us a follow on social media. We're on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you like what you heard, give us a follow and share it with your friends. Thanks again and have a great night.